How many have seen that movie, The Boys in the Boat? Boys in the Boat. If you haven't, you should. It's really a, a, a tremendous, and I meant to look at it and, and sort of relearn all the details on it. But um, for those of you who have seen it, you can help me along. Just going to give you a, a brief synopsis. But it's based on a true story, and it's in the, the time of depression. I think it was 1938 or 39. 36, thank you. And um, these young guys were looking for work. They were trying to keep themselves uh, in, in college and being educated. They couldn't afford anything. One guy was living in a car, had nothing, had no food, had holes in his shoes, holes in his clothes. And his parents had abandoned him when he was 14. And uh, yeah, can you imagine? And just said, you know, kind of fend for yourself. So that's basically what he did. So in his search for, for work, uh, he found out there was a, a team. They were looking for rowers. I don't know what you call that exactly. The, what, what's the appropriate term for that? The rowing? You, you guys know what I mean? Those rowing crew, but those big long boats that they used to, well, they, maybe they still do. They do still. But anyway, they, they said, you know, uh, you'll go through a real intense training um, lots of physical, it reminded me of the Marines, kind of what they went through, just the lifting and the running and the, you know, uh, pushing push-ups and all the things they had to do, and a lot of them didn't make it through. And they, they kept their eyes on the ones who could make it through, and then they chose, I think, was it eight or 16 of them, because there were two teams, just the one, just the junior varsity team. So these guys were young, and uh, long, long story short, it's sort of the story of how these guys pushed and pursued uh, what their dream was, and just to be able to survive, and how there was a camaraderie between all of them. There were eight of them, and the story begins, I won't tell it all to you, but it begins with uh, the, the young boy uh, who ends up being the grandfather in the end, and at the end, the grandfather is speaking to his grandson, he was the main character in the story. And the, grand, or the grandson says to his grandfather, did you like being one of the eight in the crew? And he said, there wasn't eight. He said, there was one. He said, we were one. And there's a part in the story where they actually go to the Olympics and they win in the Olympics against all of them. And they were the youngest crew. They had many things against them. They had a late start because they couldn't hear. They were so far down. So the starter didn't hear when it was time to go. So they had the late start. One of their main guys, the first rower, was sick for the first previous day. So he was really weak and uh, just kind of in his mind. He was just kind of not there. And there's a part in the, in the movie where the guy starts singing a song to him that he's familiar with. And he all of a sudden, like, is aware of what he's doing. He's like, come on, come on, you know? And so it just sort of reminded me of the body of Christ because there was one portion in the story where uh, the main character sees his father on the street and he asked his father, you know, where have you been? And he said, oh, I live right down the street. You've been here all along and you haven't come to see me. And there was that moment where he was very disappointed in his father and his father said some words that were unkind and they parted ways. But it messed with his head. It messed with his identity. It messed with who he thought he was. He couldn't figure out why his dad would abandon him and treat him in such a way. So what happened was when he, go, when he went to compete with the other seven men, it messed with him so much, it was affecting the whole crew. They were unable to, to achieve the goal because the one guy in the boat had his mind somewhere else it didn't need to be. 
And, I, and then that statement he made at the end, he said, did, did you like being one of the eight? He said, there wasn't eight, there was one. And I thought, this is what Jesus was talking about. That you, we, we are one with the Father. And that's the will and the purpose of God for the body of Christ. Yeah, when he's when he spoke to the coach to get back in, he was asking for his place back. The coach said, "Why do you want to get back in?" And he said, "Because of the boat and these men." And he said, "You're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it for the boat, right?" Did I say it right? And I is that correct? Basically, it's not for yourself. It's it's to win. It's for the others. It's for the team. And I thought this is really the way it is with the body of Christ. We're in the last stretch here. We're in the last leg of this race. And there's much spiritual activity taking place, as you all know, and as you can feel and sense it. And I believe this, there is an acceleration. There's an acceleration of the intensity of things that are taking place in our world. You all know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. And there's lots of stuff coming up against but we don't have to be moved by it. We don't have to be. We don't have to be thrown off course by it. We don't have to be uh, knocked off of the out of our seat because of it. We can stay the course. And you know something. I look back over our notes, and I'm going to talk about it here tonight. But the things that we've been talking about, you know, have been very purposeful and very pertinent for the beginning stages of 2024. And I hope you're listening. Because, you know, there are directives that we get from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge. There's two of us. Pastor is the senior pastor. But a lot of times I'll come in and help him. And I don't want to knock him off his course from what he's directing us to do. And so I really try to listen in. And last week uh, I asked him on Saturday night, what are, you, what are you speaking on tomorrow? And I got busy with some things and I never looked at what he sent me. And then on Sunday we get up to exhort and start exhorting about staying the course, staying the course. I talked about the Titanic and how that one little thing when they were off, it knocked them off course and it sunk the boat. And then he got up and spoke on setting your course. Remember? And he talked about fasting and he talked about the three part being spirit, soul, and body and what was required of us to set the course. And then the week prior to that, I wrote it down here. But I didn't know. I didn't know what he was talking about. It was like the Holy Spirit was kind of meshing those things together. And then the week before, we, we team taught and we spoke on uh, distractions and how not to have those distractions, that we need to be focused. And how do we focus? We write the vision down, right? Remember that? We write the vision and we set the course. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me today clearly about continuing on with the setting the course, and he wants to talk about choosing your course. You can set your course, but you have to choose it. You can write a whole bunch of things down, and you can have a real good determination to do some things, and you can intentionally make some choices to do some things, but you're going to have to choose it. It's going to have to be a daily choosing. We're in the middle of a fast, and daily you're having to choose 
what you're going to eat and what you're not going to eat, what you're going to watch, what you're not going to watch. It's not a, I did that on Sunday, and so for the next 21 days, my course is set. No, every day you get up, you're getting to say, I choose to do this with my body. I choose to do this with my mind. I choose my soul to do this, right? And this is the training that we have available to us to be living in and out of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Y'all know the word. We've been teaching it a long, long time. And you guys are, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but you guys know that the flesh and the Spirit are in enmity against one another. They war against one another. The flesh is weak. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so how do we gird up? How do we set the course? How do we choose the course every day? Well, we've got to become strong. It's like those guys they couldn't do what they did in that boat until they went through some training. And this is our training ground right now. This is when we come in here, we get a directive from the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say this. I'm going to say it as boldly as I can. The directive that you get should come from your pastor, not from another man. I have people write me telling who says what and who prophesied what. And I'm just going to say the directive comes from where you're, where you're under, what authority you're under. Now, I'm not saying that other people can't speak into your life, but you should be living by the course that's been set by the pastor that you're under. Because you're set in a church. God's appointed you for, to a place. And that place is your place where your blessing is. And there are, there are specific things that God is placing for us to follow after and to do and to walk in. And if we'll do it, there'll be blessings. Just like my word intentional last year. I had to act on it. There wasn't any reward in it if I didn't act on it. And so, and I'm not perfect. I'm still working on it. There's lots of things I fall short in, but there's some areas that God wants to, to move us into, to move us up in the spirit if we will obey and if we will do it. But we have to have ears to hear and eyes, eyes to see. Amen? So I want to start here, Hebrews 5, 7. Are y'all with me? Okay. So in, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed and supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his what? His reverence toward God. Can you give me a Kleenex? Um, he was heard because of his reverence or his honor towards God. It requires us to honor, requires us to have a reverence for him, his godly fear, his piety. In that... This is the part I wanted to get to. He shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. Jesus shrank. He, he wanted to honor the presence of God, but he did not want to be separated from him. When he went to the cross and he had to go to hell for those three days, it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about if he was going to win. He went in as a victor and came out as a victor. It was never a question if he was going to defeat the enemy. He already knew he was defeating the enemy. What he didn't want to do about those three days is to be separated from his father. It wasn't about facing the devil because he already knew the beginning to the end. You see, those 30, 30 years he was in training. You know what he was doing? He was training to hear his father and do what his father. The word says that he didn't say anything. He didn't hear his father say. He didn't do anything. He didn't see his father do. So there was that training time for him. So the first miracle when he goes to the wedding and he, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's asked to uh, uh, turn the water into wine. Y'all remember that story? 
Remember what his mother said? She spoke to the servants and she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. See, she had already seen this pattern in his life. She had already seen that he was already operating in a miraculous place because he was taking time to wait and to spend time with his father. And his father was training him to hear and to see and to do. He got his directives from straight from his father. And so when he knew to do something, he heard it from his father first. He got the day's order from his father, and then he obeyed it. He didn't do anything without hearing from his father. Do you see what I'm saying? And so do you think that it would be any different for us if, if, if that was available to Jesus, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living within us? We have the same ability. And some people might say, well, he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Yes, but there's some things that we have to do to tap in to be able to hear. If you're listening to all kinds of garbage music and you're watching all kinds of garbage movies and, and you're entertaining things you shouldn't be and you're addicted to some things that aren't good for you, I can guarantee you that you're following after your flesh and the voice of your flesh is much louder than the voice of your spirit. There's no way that you can be following after the voice of your flesh and be very in tuned to the spirit. You might hear some things here and there, but it's, it's, uh, it's pretty uh, important to be able to follow after him because it's a training. Amen? Are you all okay? All right. It's the truth anyway. So, so where did Jesus get these words that facilitated God's will and his power? He heard it, he saw it, and he did it. He heard it, he saw it, he did it. He learned the words from his father while he was on the earth. So the three days he was separated, he knew what to say. Jesus said, because thou wilt leave my, you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That's in Psalms. He said that ahead of time. He knew his father wouldn't leave him in hell. He knew he wouldn't have to suffer corruption. He said it ahead of time because he already saw it. Because the father had already shown him the plan. Right? And you know why he was separated? So that we wouldn't have to be. We don't have to be separated from the Father. It's good news. We are not separated. We don't have to have a man to go be between us. We are direct. We have a direct connect. A direct connect with the Holy One. Amen? Because of what Jesus did. He tore the veil. It was rent. And he made a way for us to come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what happens, though, is if we're not tapping into what we have on the inside, if we're not listening, if we're not taking time to hear from him, it's a lack of reverence of who we carry on the inside of us. It's a lack of reverence. It's a lack of honor by bypassing his impartations. You see, he's longing. That's why we were created. We were created for fellowship, and he's longing for fellowship with us. And you might say, well, I've got him on the inside. I listen. But we've got to take some time. I'm, I'm going to get into it just a little bit more here. But praise God. I, I'm just so thankful that he didn't leave us without. He gave us the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he said, it's better that I go. It's to your advantage that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. So I have an advantage. I have an advantage because I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me that enables me to hear the spirit of truth. It enables me to hear him and to follow after his directives. Amen. So let's look at Isaiah 40, 31. And I think this is really important for us right now to, to know how to choose our course. This is how we're going to talk about how we're going to choose our course. Everybody say, choose my course. 
I'm going to choose my course wisely. Amen. Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, this is the Amplified Classic, who expect, how many expect something from God? Who look for, how many are looking for him? Who hope in him shall change and renew. And I slipped it in there. The Hebrew word for this word renew means exchange. You exchange your strength and your power. It's not that God comes in and just makes your power cranked up a little bit. No, he exchanged your strength for his. He gives you his strength. You're not walking around without any strength. You have to wait on him. And we're going to get into what this word means to wait on the Lord. But you exchange your strength and power for his. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun, and they will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint or become tired. This is a picture of walking in the Spirit, this whole, this whole uh, scripture here. If we don't walk or live in the Spirit, hearing from the Spirit, speaking out from the Spirit, we'll settle for the fallen things, the lower things, the natural flow of this world. Do you know there's a natural flow into the, in this world right now? There's a natural fallen flow that the whole world is following after unless they're following after the things of the spirit. Do you know this generation is very hungry for the supernatural? I was just talking to Kat about this. I heard someone talk about this, that they are so hungry for the supernatural that I, I'm not on TikTok, but I guess there's a thing called witch talk. It's one of the top things that the kids go to, witch talk, because they're looking for the supernatural. And they set those cards, those, what do you call them, tarot cards, uh, right there by the registers, and they're buying them because they want to know. They want to know what's ahead. They want to see into the supernatural. And guess what? We have the ability to have the supernatural flowing in and out of us by the Spirit, not in a weird way, not in a goofy way, but by the Spirit of God. The very creator of who you are has given you the ability to listen to him, to talk to him, for him to give you direction and focus. Today, I, I picked up Braden from school. He goes to a school on Wednesdays. It's a homeschooler group. And uh, he wanted to go in a quick trip to get something. And I usually don't let him go by himself, but he wanted to go in. So I sent him in. And I'm and he's getting bigger, so, you know, my husband says he can tackle anybody. So he's in there, and I'm sitting in the car, and I'm listening to my heart. Do I feel good about this? <laughs> How do I feel about this? Not by fear, because, I, you know, I know the difference between fear and then that little tickle inside, like, mm. And I sat there for a little bit, and I thought, I'm feeling that thing. I'm going to get up and go in. You know what? I'd rather be wrong in flowing and following after the Spirit than be wrong by not following the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? And so I went in, and everything was fine, but maybe it was just my presence that needed to be there, and I saw someone that looked a little bit, I don't know, and so I said, you know what? You're going to stay by me. But it's important that we're listening. It's important that we're listening. There might be a building that you're not supposed to go into. There's lots of goofy stuff going on right now, explosions and things happening, and you need to be listening to the, the voice on the inside that's still small voice, because he's not going to go, don't go in that building. No, it's a still, small voice, and it's one that you learn to listen to. It's like what I was talking about on prayer the other day about our, um, our piano that we have. It's, if you sit down and play that piano right now, it's not going to sound very good, because it's out of tune. And my husband has a tuning fork, and he knows how to sit down and tune it 
according to the way it needs to sound so that it's tuned in. And when you, when you play it, it sounds nice. There's a tuning in that you need right now to the voice of the Spirit. So you can tune into what he's saying. So that sound that he makes for you to do things, you're, you're, you're quickened in your spirit quickly to obey. Now let me just say this. I've said this to my kids. Obedience is now. And Braden has a thing right now. I'll say, Braden, last night I said, Braden, lay out your stuff for school tomorrow. Go get your sweatshirt that you need. Get your guitar by the door. Get your blah, blah, blah by the door. And he's like, okay, I will in a second. Well, I've learned that I will in a second means I'm not going to do it because I don't feel like it. Or I'll say it again, and he'll say, okay, I'll get to it. Or, okay, and then I never see him move. And all kids do this. I'm, I'm not just bashing my kid. But it's a training because guess what? This morning came, and we've got five minutes to get out the door, and guess where his guitar was and his bag and his whatever else he couldn't find? It was all upstairs, and we had to go find it. That's the training that we're, I'm talking about right now is we got to be tuned in to listening to his voice and not just saying, okay, I will in a minute, God. we got to do it now. Obedience is now because obedience now might mean to saving your life. It might make a total difference in your children's life, in your finances, in whatever it is. And I just want to encourage you. There's a place that he wants to take us to by faith, but we're never going to walk out on that road by faith until we start following him a little bit every day and stepping out in faith a little bit. It's going to require faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes. And the only way we're going to receive the victory that we're expecting is by stepping out in faith. And if you haven't seen any victory in your life, then maybe you haven't stepped out in faith. It's not about what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing. It's not about your circumstances. I said it's not about your circumstances. God wants to take us outside of this realm of what we're seeing and how we're feeling about things. And he says, could you just trust me a little bit? Could you just stretch your faith out a little bit? Could you just step out on the water? Could you get out of the boat and trust me, but just got to keep your eyes on me? So we start looking at things. We start looking at finances. We start looking at all these other things and thinking, I can't do that. I can't do that. And we, just like Peter, we sink because our eyes are not on him. We're not setting our heart. We're not setting our course. We're not choosing the course that he has for us. We're choosing our own course because we're falling back on fear and trepidation and, and, and uh, doubt and unbelief. And doubt and unbelief are a sin. Do you know that? We like to think that we're not in sin because we're not doing all the big ones. But when we're not trusting him and we fall in, into doubt and unbelief, we're actually in a place of sin. Because we're not trusting him. Amen? I'm totally off my notes. Accuracy comes from the spirit. If you're not spiritually fed, you'll be emotionally led. If you're not spiritually fed, you'll be emotionally led. You've got to be fed in the word every day. And you've got to have some time in his presence. If, I want to just say this. When, when the word says, those who wait upon the Lord... Waiting on the Lord used to be a, it's sort of a lost art. We used to do that a lot. How many grew up in church where you waited on the Lord? Spent some time just, you know what it means to wait on the Lord? It means to minister to the Lord. It means to just have some time before him. And you know what happens when we minister to the Lord, when we wait on him? We reap a harvest of him ministering to us because we're sowing some seed there. When we give to him, he gives back. He's, he's a good God. He's a good father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. 
And he sees that we, it's important to us to spend time before him. And, I, and that's why one of the things, you know, that we feel important in this church, and this is something that is a, a prerequisite with our, with our worship and with our worshipers and our songs, is you can't take people where you haven't been. And if you can't get in the presence of God and you get up here, you can't take people where you haven't been. So we have to be worshipers to be able here to be up here to lead worship. So wherever you're standing here, you're leading in worship. We're worship leaders wherever we stand because we're affecting people everywhere we go. Amen? And, and, and another thing that we feel is important is when we sing our songs, we're not singing songs about us. I don't know if you've noticed. We really try to pick songs that aren't just about our past. I once was a sinner. Saved by grace. Well, all those things are yes and amen, but we're not singing about us anymore. We're singing about Jesus. We're singing about who he is in our life. We're singing about the victor. We're singing about Messiah. We're singing about all praise to him. I love that song we sang, all praise to him. Praise to the Father. Praise to the Son. Mature Christians sing about him. Baby Christians like to think about themselves and think about what they've been brought through and all those things. We don't have to focus on what we've been brought through already anymore. Amen? He's already brought us through to a place of victory. And who we are in Christ is victorious. And I'm not bashing anybody. Please don't take me wrong. I'm just saying there's a place for us to go. And I want to encourage you. We're going to higher places, deeper places, closer to the heart of God this year. How many are with me? Let's go, right? Let's go. Let's go to a deeper place in him. Praise God. So the life in the spirit is led and dominated by the spirit. It's sensitive to the leadings of the spirit. There is no accuracy without the word and praying in the spirit. And this is how we become sensitive. We become sensitive by getting in the word of God and by praying in the spirit. Every time we've made steps to move towards something upward or, or move uh, up, out of things with our church, we've had opposition. Because, you know, the enemy doesn't want you to move forward. And I've noticed a lot of times it's usually when uh, it, it's um, not just us, but it's um, affecting other people. Um, and so that's why I shared that story about the boat. It's like we've got to be on the same team. Let's go to higher places. Let's go where God's calling us. Let's move forward with what he's wanting us to do. Let's be effective for the kingdom. Let's be effective in our community. Right? And let's get the same mind, the same mind of the Spirit and where he wants to take us. Praise God. So we have to be skillful at staying out of the arena of the mind. How many know that's the battlefield? The battlefield is the mind. And so as soon as we uh, get out of that place of being in worship, um, all of a sudden something comes in and our mind starts going crazy and wacky and we start thinking about, it's usually an identification issue. It's an insecurity issue. It's something that we start thinking that we're lacking in and the enemy will say, well, that's not who you are. That's not your personality. You're not like this. You're not like that. Well, I heard somebody say something once and I thought, man, that's so good. So they asked a, a minister who, who was a, over a large church. He said, he said, are you a morning person or a night person? And he said, I'm whatever I need to be. He said, because the new man chooses who he is. I like that. I refuse to be dominated by my past, 
by who my family has been through history, the, what people say, oh, you've got this, you've got that, and that's your personality. That's the only thing I don't like about those personality tests is they put you in a box and say, well, this is who you are. You're a high C, you're a high D, you're a high S. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so then you start thinking, oh, that's who I am. I just can't get out of this box. No, you can choose who you are. You choose your course right now who you're going to be because in Christ, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Amen? You're not that old man anymore. You choose who you're going to be in Christ today. Amen? Who's with me on this? I love that. And so whatever you need to be, if you need to be a morning person or night person or whatever you need to be, be that. Because you've got God on the inside and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. The greater one is on the inside. So be skillful. Be mindful to stay out of that arena where the mind starts taking off and starts telling you that you can't do this and you can't do that and you're just a, you're just you're going to follow after the old patterns and this is now we have to use wisdom on some things you know we've got to be careful that's where we follow after the spirit not after the flesh amen you don't go hanging out with a, a bunch of goofy goofy people that <clears throat> are living in the past the way maybe you had a history. And, and you start to develop some patterns that they had because you've been hanging with them too much. You've got to use wisdom. You've got to stay the course. You've got to choose your course. Amen? That's it. Okay, so uh, we have to be skillful at staying out of the arena where you're bombarded. Do you know the Lord was speaking to me today about uh, the importance of um, peace and how the enemy will come in and bombard our minds and take us out of that place of peace? And I've taught on this before that in peace, there's protection. Peace is a strong place for us to be in. And it's the very place the enemy tries to pull us out of. How many have noticed anytime something happens in your life, the first thing that starts occurring is you lose your peace. How many have lost your peace over something silly? Frustrated, dominated by it. And that's one of the things we talked about is not being distracted. And when distractions come in, the frustrations come in, and the frustrations come in, and all of a sudden you're bombarded with all these thoughts, and there's no peace. And the Word says, let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart and in your mind. You know why it's ruling and reigning there? It, it's because it's, it's like it, that word rule means to umpire. How many know what an umpire does? An umpire stands there and decides, you're in or you're out. So when those thoughts come, you decide, is this a thought from God? Okay, I'll let you in. Is this a thought from the enemy? You're out. The peace of God rules and reigns in my heart and my mind. It's protecting me. I'm in a place of protection. And that place is a pace of faith. It's a pace of faith. Don't get out of that pace of faith because that's where your peace is found and that's where your protection lies. Amen? And the enemy can't get in. Don't you love that? Do you believe, the word talks, and we'll talk about this, you know, how many were here Sunday with Orlando's testimony and how he talked about how he just every morning gets up and at like 6.40 he's spending time with the word, with the Lord in his car for about an hour. He's worshiping, he's listening to some things, and he's just fellowshipping. He's waiting on the Lord. He's spending that time. He's ministering to the Lord. He's allowing the Lord to minister to him in that time frame. Guess what he's doing? He talked about it. He's dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, Psalm 91. And we'll talk about it. But I love that because that's the place of peace. 
That's a place of rest. And so when all these thoughts start coming, how many, well, this it's a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but all of us probably here have dealt with thoughts about ourselves, identity crisis. The whole world is going through it right now. That's why we've got gender people, gender issues and all kinds of things taking place in our world. People thinking they're horses and eating ketchup and all kinds of goofy stuff. It's like, What? It's an identity crisis because they don't know who they are. And the world is trying to shove uh, these answers to them, and it's all a bunch of hogwash. But when we find out who we are in Christ, our identification, that's one of the first things that we taught our kids was who you are in Christ. When we first started this church, we did a whole series with the, the young people on in Christ. This is who you are. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. Because who you are in Christ is victorious. Who I am in Christ is an overcomer. The word says, I can do. This is the first scripture I, I taught Hayden. I remember he did it, we did it with a little sing-song thing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all those times when you start feeling like you're falling in your faith, when you're falling in your strength, when, when you're, you, you can't see things happening, what I always remind him, what does the word say? I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. It's not your strength, it's his strength. But you got to go to the place of exchange to get the strength. You can't just expect it just to fall out of the sky. You got to go to the place of exchange. You got to go to where he is. And it's not a place per se, it's a place in him. You can find him wherever you are. You understand what I'm saying there. But you get into his presence. You wait on the Lord, and you'll renew your strength like eagles. Amen? They, the word says it, they'll mount up. How do they mount up? They go up higher. It's where they're setting their mind. They're setting their, their wings. What their wings are doing, they're shifting. They're shifting gears. They're allowing things to move around. And that's what happens when we get into his presence. Pastor Steve taught on it last week that when you set your mind on things above, the peace of God is there. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. So that's the setting. That's the shifting that's taking place. That's the mounting up. I'm telling you what, the enemy will come in and try to tell you other things. And when you start listening to doubt and unbelief, fear and worry, you're not in the place of being in his presence. You're not waiting on him. You're fellowshipping with the problem and not the answer. Now, you might have good intent to get in that place, but in that place, you're going to have to let go of some things in your mind. Your mind is going to have to release some things and allow your spirit man to fellowship and to interact with him. You see what I'm saying? And it's really hard sometimes for us to, to allow our minds to shut down and be quiet. How many are with me? Sometimes that's hard. All right. Are you guys good? All right. So we have to stay skillful to stay out of that arena. The mind is neutralized by the peace and it cannot be disturbed. How many have ever had a situation where the peace of God just came in and you just felt such, uh, such a, a place of sweetness, like you knew it was God, you knew it was his presence, you knew he was carrying you through something, and nothing else could penetrate. It's kind of what happened with me uh, when the whole COVID thing started. I had a dream, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'm, I, just keep your mind on me. Don't let this get inside. The storm's coming, but don't let this get inside of you. It doesn't have to get inside of you. No storm has to be inside of you. It's up to you to not let the storm come inside. 
The word says, let the peace. That means I allow the peace of God to rule and reign in my heart and mind. If I'm not letting the peace, then I'm letting something else come in, right? So we have to be careful to not allow those thoughts to dominate us because there is, we have an answer. Hebrews 4.3, there's a second half of it. It says, he said, although his works had been completed and, and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. He already completed it and provided it from the foundation of the world. Whatever it is you have need of, whatever the problem is, he's already finished it from the beginning. So whatever it is you have need of, it's already available for you. You just got to get in the presence. You just got to get in that place of peace and allow him to minister to it to you. This is the victory that overcomes the, the world, even your faith. So if faith doesn't show up, there's no victory. Uh, God doesn't answer, pro, he doesn't answer our, our, our wants and our needs. He answers faith, right? We've got to come to him with our faith. Praise God. People are looking for the spectacular and they're missing the supernatural. A lot of times I'm, I, I notice that, um, uh, you know, we've had people come in here before and the, the presence of God, they, they sense the presence and there's such answers here. And then all of a sudden I notice, I see sort of like a, a vagueness of like, um, you sort of get used to things. How many know you can get used to the presence of God? And then when you get out of it, you might realize that you were liking what you had before. That's happened to me before when I've been in a busy season in my life, spending time with the presence of God and in his presence, and then all of a sudden I get busy and I start doing other things, and I think, why am I thinking this way? What is wrong with me? Why am I acting this way? Why am I mad? Why am I frustrated? Well, it's because I'm used to being in the presence of God, and I had slipped out and gotten into a place where just busyness was taken over. You know what I'm saying? And yes, I understand the presence goes with us everywhere we go. I understand the presence is there, but sometimes we put a focus on other things. And when the focus is on other things, those things, those thoughts can dominate. And they will uh, take the place of his presence. Problems. How many have ever had problems take the place of his presence? See, what you're talking about, what you're focusing on, that's what you're magnifying. And your choice of meditation is your choice of worship. And so if we're cho choosing to meditate and worship him, then that's the place of peace. Amen? So we need to ask for wisdom. The Word of God says that uh, wisdom is the principal thing, and we can get wisdom in his presence, in that place. Praise God. There's been times in our life when we've not known what to do. We go into uh, prayer, and I'm just telling you, praying in the Spirit, it'll allow your spirit to acknowledge him, and it'll draw from that place of wisdom, and all of a sudden, the answer will drop in. How many of you have that happen? You just didn't know what to do? Take some time to pray before him, and all of a sudden, pop, the answer is there. And God, sometimes, you know, we think we need an answer from, from without, from outside of what we have. But a lot of times, it'll come just from what we have already. Uh, he, uh, Pastor Steve did a sermon once on what's in your hand. And he talked about how David had the sling, and, and Moses had a staff. And, uh, you know, there's things that we have within us that are the answer, that helps us through things. And a lot of times we're looking, you know, financially, we're, well, maybe the check's going to come in the mail today. And it's okay, and maybe that's going to happen, and praise God if it does. But I'm just saying, there might be some things that we have the answer within right here, but we just need wisdom to know how to deal with it, to know what to do. 
And, and until we seek him, until we step out in faith, until we put a, an expectancy on the spirit of God, we may not have those answers until we get into that place. You see what I'm saying? It's important. So let me, let me, uh, let me scooch down to Psalm 91, 7. It says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High. How many want to be inaccessible to the things of the world, to the problems of the world, to the thoughts and the mindset of the enemy? How many want to be inaccessible to those things? Well, the answer is in the first part of that verse, and you guys know it, he that dwelleth in the secret place, not he that visits. Some people visit the secret place, maybe just on Wednesday or Sunday. But he that dwelleth, I live in my house. I go out of my house to do things, and then I come back. But I live there. That's my place of abode. I abide there. And that's the same way with his presence. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. It's a secret place. You know why? Because the enemy can't get me there. He can't find me there. I'm hidden in that place. And in that secret place, there's lots of answers to be found. There's hidden, hidden wisdom that God has for us. So I just want to encourage you, if there's something that you're uh, anxious about, if there's something maybe that you're needing answers for, if there's uh, a direction that you're needing, I just want to encourage you tonight. This, the answer is choosing your course by getting into his presence and waiting on the Lord, ministering to him, taking time every day. Every day. Jesus took time every day to find out what, he wanted, what his father wanted him to say, what his father wanted him to do. And he knew what to do because of that. How many have ever said, I just don't know what to do? How many have ever said, I just can't do this anymore? How many said, I can't take this anymore? All of us probably have it some, in some season in our life or another, but the answer is in his presence. The answer is choosing your course by waiting on the Lord, minister to the Lord, allow him to minister to you. And I believe you'll find some answers and it'll set the course for your year. There's an acceleration going on right now and I believe there is more. Somebody asked me what I think about 2024. I believe there is more for us this year and I believe, but I believe it's not gonna come without some, ba some battles. There's gonna be some things that we need to be ready for, but this is where we need to move up higher in the spirit. We need to get deeper into that place and, and, you know, let me just say this. No matter how long you've been serving God, whatever room you're in in the spirit, because there's different places in the spirit, every one of us have to become acclimated to where we are, and we need more of him. We need more training. We need more of knowing how to hear his voice in a greater way. You know, I've been living this life for how long? 50, well, I've been saved probably since I was a kid, 57 years and I'm still learning new things about him, new things. And it's so wonderful. It never gets old. And if you feel like living for Jesus is old, then I just pray that you would find an answer in his presence because there's newness of life every day in his presence. If Jesus needed to hear from him and needed to see him every day, how about, how about us? I think we need to as well. Amen.